let's say you have an hour-long lecture. The best time that you can study is about 20 minutes after learning that new information because what you're doing is you're grabbing it before your brain throws it out. And so then moving forward, you're more likely to recall that that forgetting curve lessens and isn't quite as steep. Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. I'm Hudson. And I'm Rachel, and we are so glad to be with you today. Hudson, have you ever read a chapter in a book, and then you couldn't remember what you've read, or you spent hours studying for a test, and then you went to take the test, and all that information just vanished? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've had that happen before, and well, maybe our guest today can help us. Danielle Winton is the owner of Memory Strategies, where she helps others learn how to learn, learn how to study, and learn how to remember. She has helped thousands improve their memory and works with both professionals and teens to increase test scores. The average test score increase after a 90-minute memory workshop is nearly double. Her methods are backed by research peer-reviewed journals, and many people are floored that they are capable of recalling and understanding more than they thought possible. Welcome to our podcast, Danielle. Hi, thanks for having me. So we know you don't have a degree from Memory Coach. How did you get started doing this? So how did I become a Memory Coach? That's a great question. So I have been teaching since 2012. And one of the places that I taught had students come from all over the world. They were usually 16 to maybe 25. And the idea is that they would go through the entire program in about nine months and learn a language and be ready to go to college, which is a ridiculous demand to have on someone. Imagine going to Japan, you have nine months to learn Japanese, and then you have to be ready to go to college where they only speak Japanese. That's crazy. So, yeah, (laughs) they had a lot to learn, right? They had to remember thousands and thousands of words and grammar rules and learn how to speak and write. So as from a teacher's point of view, I kind of got interested in just how can I help my kids or my students remember more. There's just no way for them to recall this stuff and they have so much pressure on them to go fast and learn quick. So I started learning about these memory champions and there's actually people in the Guinness Book of World Records who spend their free time just memorizing stuff and I thought that's kind of interesting. So I ended up learning these memory techniques that memory champions use. And I was able to increase my memory, which I have a quote-unquote bad memory, which is what something we'll talk about. Um, and I thought, okay, if I can remember more, if I can teach myself, let me try to teach my students. And I did. And I gave them a test before, and I gave them a test after, and they were able to increase their test score by 300%. They were able to recall exponentially more with the memory techniques that I was teaching them. So then I kind of thought, well... Instead of just helping my students, I could probably help everyone. And it's not just English language, it's really anything. Anything that we have to put in our brains and be able to recall, I can help people with. So that's how Memory Strategies was born. That's cool. Do you think that because we have devices nowadays where we can look everything up, our memories have gotten lazier? I think um, to some extent that's true. I think that you still have to exercise your brain, just like a muscle, right? It's kind of like if you go to the gym and you can get stronger. You don't ever say like, oh, I have bad muscles. It's just that you didn't go to the gym for three months, right? Right. So memory is something that you have to practice. Um, So yeah, I do think 
maybe our phones and, you know, phone numbers or something we don't have to memorize anymore. But it sure is helpful in an emergency when our phone's dead and we need to use a friend's, right? Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. Like, when we were kids, we knew everybody's phone numbers. And and we could still Mm -hmm. say our phone numbers from when we were little. But I don't know my kids. (laughs) I can't remember my kids' phone numbers because I never punch it in, you know? Well, and we don't need to, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's become kind of a crutch. But, I mean, how, how much capacity does our brain really have? Do you know? A lot more than we think. In fact, there was a professor <clears throat> that said, I think it was, what, 2.5 petabytes or something, which is the equivalent of, like, 3 million hours worth of TV, which if you think about TV shows, you think about the dialogue, the pictures, the environment the, you know, body language, there, there's so much information that we can store that we um, sometimes just don't tap into because we don't know how. So have you found that the kids that do the best academically have similar methods of learning? I think there's a few things I can say about that. For kids that do well academically, some of them are going to be just naturally gifted and have different or wiring system like some people have what's called an eidetic memory sometimes people call that a photographic memory i knew of one lady who went through my workshop and she was able to remember a lot at the beginning but she didn't end up using the memory techniques and so she ended up scoring the same at the end whereas my other students who didn't have an eidetic memory their their progress improved so much more because they started learning these methods so you know, you've got the people who are naturally gifted, but there are techniques that the everyday person can use to dramatically increase their score. I think that when it comes to doing well academically, there are a couple of things that research has proven helps, one of which is practice quizzes. That's one of the best indicators that you're going to improve your grades. The more practice quizzes you can do, the more you can simulate the experience that you're going to have when you go into a testing situation is good. And then also studying over time as opposed to cramming. So there's all kinds of research on spaced repetition, which is reviewing and studying in increments over a long period of time as opposed to just doing it once. Right. So like I think Cal Newport maybe did some, wrote a book on this. Do you like, it's best to like, okay, you, you are in the lecture, you listen to your teacher and then the same day, as soon as, as soon as you can, you sit down and just look at your notes for a couple of minutes. And that's that's exactly right. Yes. Right. So <clears throat> there's something called a forgetting curve that mean basically says that we forget like I forget I think it's like 70% of what we hear after like 9 hours. So we are, our brains are constantly throwing out information that we think it doesn't need or it thinks it doesn't need. So uh, let's say you have an hour long lecture. The best time that you can study is about 20 minutes after learning that new information. Because what you're doing is you're grabbing it before your brain throws it out. And so then moving forward, you're more likely to recall that that forgetting curve lessens and isn't quite as steep. That's good to know because my thought would be like, if I was in school, say I'm in high school and I'm taking a class, I'm taking my classes and I have a study hall, you know, a couple hours in, my thought would be, Oh, I'm not going to look over that because we just did it. Exactly. It's counterintuitive. Yes. In fact, you should be looking over that because you just did it. Right. Right. And you're more likely to recall it, which is increasing the neural pathways in your brain and making them larger so that way the next time you have to recall it, the neurons already know where to go. 
Is there like an, a, a set of increments like you should do it? I don't want to get too deep into this, but you should do it like uh, within an hour or so afterward and then ever so many days. Right. Um, there's a bunch of different theories on this as to which one's the best. Uh, there's one that I like to call, which is the plus one theory, which is, you know, 20 minutes after you have your lecture, do a quick review. What did you learn? What were the main ideas? So then you leave a day in between and then you study again and then you leave two days in between and then you study again and then you leave three days in between and you study again. So that way you're increasing the amount of time in between your study sessions, but you're still doing it over a period of time. Right. That makes sense. It would be complicated. You, you have to be kind of organized to remember what you studied. That's with. true. And, that, and you know, you think about a full-time student in college, that's a great technique to use to keep yourself on track. Right. Yeah. You just need to put notes in your planner or something. Exactly. We've got all kinds of calendars and alarms, you know, we can yeah. get that set up. Have you found that as diet and exercise play a role in being able to remember things? Absolutely. Um, it actually has a really large impact. Um, and I think, you know, it's not like, oh, just eat an apple before the test and then <laughs> your memory is improved. But over the long term, of course, exercise and diet help things like blood flow and oxygen get to the brain. So you're just hurting yourself by not giving your brain the optimal tools and settings. Um, even things like breathing and posture play a large role in how effective and efficient your brain is working. So all of those things are are crucial and more of a, a long-term uh, lifestyle. It seems like as people get older, they forget more. Why is that? That's a great question. Uh, there's a few different reasons. I think one of the things is obviously if there's a medical diagnosis, that there's something going on in the brain, you know, that you don't have control over. But something like uh, Alzheimer's or dementia, it's gray matter in the brain shrinking and having less and less um, sort of space in the brain. So again, that's where that exercise comes in. Memory's like a muscle, we have to exercise it. So the more we can keep that muscle strong, the less likely it is to disintegrate as quickly. Um, and of course, I do think, this is my own personal theory, you know, uh, a teenager has, you know, 15, 16, 17 years on this earth. A parent has 30, 40, 50 years. And there's, there's so much more exposure that an adult right. has as opposed to a teen. And so our reticular activating system has had to filter out three, four, five, six times as much information. So that's probably why it feels like, oh, man, my teen remembers all this stuff and I don't. It's because you've been exposed to so much more in your life than they have. Right. And <clears throat> we've just had to throw out a lot more. That makes sense. It's like, it's also like, uh, goes along with why does time seem to go faster for the older you get. I think it's because if you're five, you know, one year is 20% of your life. Mm -hmm. If you're 50, one year, one year is one fiftieth of your life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it just, it, I think it goes along with, it's just a percentage of how much you've lived. Mm -hmm. So could you give us a, maybe a memory strategy that you use? Sure. Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it probably depends on what you're studying, but like, let's just take a classic example of there's a lecture and there's a textbook, right? And you need to learn something. There's something called active recall. And basically what this means is struggling is good. Those that do the work get the benefit. It means you close your textbook, you close your notes, you close your eyes and you think, what did I just learn? Your immediate response is, I don't know. Or your immediate response is, I'm not sure, I didn't really get it. Don't stop there. 
think, okay, well, what words came out of his mouth? What pictures did I see in the textbook? What words stand out from the text? Anything that you can pull out, that's your neurons firing and saying, okay, what did we just find? And they're trying to grab it in your brain. I mean, that's a very loose example of how the brain works, but you want to struggle to try and remember because that means it's more likely to stick. It's sort of like, you know, if you're building the road, you know where it goes. So active recall is super important. And then, okay, I remember something about, um, you know, a history, there's a war and um, it was really long and I think it was in the 1940s and there's something about, you know, flag burning. And so maybe that's the only thing you can remember from your history class. Now open up your book, read a little bit more. Oh, okay, I remember what that flag part thing was and I remember who was in the war and then close again and recall. So that is the best way to improve your memory is to struggle with it a little bit. So is it a good idea to like um, try to write it out, draw a picture of what you remember and then sketch it out, like mind map it? Yeah, that's a great question. There are so many study strategies that are used today because people just assume that they're the right way to do it. Things like rereading, highlighting, uh, re like writing it down and copying. But those are relatively passive compared to other things that you can do. A much better way of studying would be to actually talk it out. Um, and even if you can't talk it out and someone's not available to listen, even standing in front of your mirror, just talking to yourself, okay, what did I learn? What do I remember? What, what is this trying to say? Because as soon as you put it into your own words, you are sort of regurgitating it into your own personal filter because what a professor says might not make as much sense as the way that you can phrase it in your own words. So being able to talk it out is much better than just copying, using note cards, or highlighting. What if it's something like vocabulary where you just have to learn it rote? Okay, so things like rote memory, things that just need to be memorized. Yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do. Visuals are key, and that's one of the things that Memory Strategies focuses on. Um, there's five memory tiers, and the first one you're talking about is rote memory, which is a lot of people reread, rewrite, re-say over and over and over again. But unfortunately, that's you know pretty boring and not engaging for a lot of people. So then you get into things like mnemonics, and then you get into things like association and linking, and then you get into storage, and then you get into retrieval and repetition, um, space repetition and active recall. So there's several steps and different uh, levels of intensity for recalling. But as far as a, a simple thing that you could do, I would start with an association. So let's say you're learning um, a Chinese word. This is a great example. You're in a foreign language class. You have to learn a new Chinese word. Da. Da means big in Chinese. So in my mind, I'm going to think da. Da sounds like dad. Da, da, right? So if I have to remember the word big, I'm going to imagine like my big dad is the size of Godzilla storming down New York Street and like shaking the ground. And now I've got this funny, crazy visual in my head associated with that word. So anytime we can make a ridiculous, crazy, obnoxious association with a word, we're 10 times or more likely to remember it. Right. And I know that works because um, I did your, uh, we did the summit together mm -hmm. and I watched your workshop that was in the action pack and you did the uh, little quiz thing where you had you look at 20 words and mm -hmm. then you take a test and then you go back at the end and do it again but after using after learning your strat strategies and there were a few words in there that I could not remember but then once I once I was like 
okay, so here's an example. It was, it was, I was doing the French uh-huh. and the word was shield. Mm-hmm. And so I just imagined a shield and it was ECU. I don't even know how to pronounce it. ECU. Um, so I was imagining a shield with the Eastern Carolina University. Oh, um, nice. Um, so, and then that has stuck in my head. I don't, you know. Uh-huh. Like, and now it's hard to forget. <laughs> yeah, now I can't forget. It. Um, so if you just learn little strategies like that, and like like mnemonics, like you were saying, where you, the, the like every, most kids know the Roy G. Viv, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. What does that stand for? Hudson? Color spectrum. Of the mm-hmm. what? Rainbow. What and what are the colors? What does Roy G. Biv mean? I don't know. <laughs> Sound of, what is R? That's what I mean. Red, yellow, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. You missed a letter. <laughs> That's a hard one. We don't talk about indigo very much, do we? Yeah. Indigo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of put you on the spot there. Yeah, so that's cool. So uh, there's a quote that I really love by T. Harv Ecker. And he's, we use it a lot with the stuff we do. And he says, what you hear, you forget. What you see, you remember. What you do, you understand. So what, kind of what you're teaching goes along with all of that. Like, you're not just sitting there passively learning. You're you're trying to make it active. You're trying to... Um, and like you said, the crazier, the crazier story you can do in your head... Mm-hmm. Our the brains better. remember the extraordinary, not the ordinary. Right. The crazy things are going to stand out and be fun to remember. And if you can make a story, yeah, if you can make a story out of it, I mean, think about like all the great lessons we've learned. They're they're like parables or stories, you know, and you can remember those way better than a lecture. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to share? Um, I think the biggest thing I would love people to take away is that memory is a teachable skill. People so often think, I have a bad memory, or they can't do anything about it, or a lot of times they get frustrated, like, why can't I remember that? And it's because, well, you never learned how to remember. No one ever talks about this kind of stuff until it's way too late. And there are just so many tools at your disposal, um, and it's something everyone can learn. Yeah. I think for a lot of kids, the the jump between... Uh, maybe into middle school or high school. That's something where where you could have kind of gotten by with not really having to memorize. And then it gets a little harder and and you might struggle there because you don't have good study skills. And then again, when you jump to college, Mm -hmm. um, it jumps again where you have to really, really be good at learning. You have to learn to learn. Mm -hmm. And then becoming a professional and having to get licensed and certified and you still are kind of struggling. (laughs) Right, yeah. Might as well learn it now when you're a kid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so what have we learned today? We learned take care of your body, eat, right? Mm-hmm. Exercise. Don't cram for your exams. Study a little bit along the way. So I think those are good lessons, right? Where can people find you? Well, I have a website. It's called memorystrategy.com. And you'll find my contact information. And uh, I think there's a couple blog posts and just kind of the, some of the other work I've done and Feel free, anybody, to reach out to me um, via email or phone, and I can answer any questions you have. Do you do, like, tutoring for, like, ACT, SAT? Yeah, so I kind of have three different products. The first one is what you participated in, which is that workshop. It's kind of a 90-minute, quick in and out, boost here are skills, you can run with it. 
there's other people that have maybe a specific test or a specific goal, like they're trying to pass the ACT. That's where they can hire me for private tutoring. I'll sit down one-on-one -on -one with your teen, open up the ACT book and say, where are you struggling? Here's a, an example of an ACT problem. Here's how I would remember it. Let's try and get you to remember it and go through those techniques together. And then I also work with, um, you know, organizations. So I haven't partnered with a school yet, but I um, have partnered with the Small Business Development Center and I help um, career counselors get certified by the state. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today and chatting with us, Ms. Danielle. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I think these strategies will really be helpful to anyone who is looking to improve their grades this year. Speaking of making learning active, my new ebook, I Am Not Your ATM, is now available at rachelmurphycoaching.com and at all the major book retailers. In the book, I give you a plan on how you can teach your teens to manage money even if no one taught you. Instead of using the passive way of teaching money, which is how most of us were taught, if we were taught at all, we'll show you how to teach them in a hands-on active way. So check it out. Have a great week.